We're going to read God's word now. Today we're reading from Luke chapter 13, verse 22 through to 30. And if you have one of our church Bibles, you can find that on page 1046. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I do not know you or where you have come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I do not know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all of the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west, north and south, and will take their place at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. It's great to be with you. If you weren't here last week, or if you're here uh, visiting um, over the last little while, um, my name's Mike Sams, I'm the uh, senior pastor here at uh, Golden Grove, and I've been away for quite a while, so it's great to be back. It's great to be back with you, and um, if I haven't got to say hello to you yet, if you weren't here last week or we just missed each other, I'd love to say hello again as we, uh, um, uh, as the family are back uh, uh, here with you. I've got to say, I feel like there's a freedom of just saying what, any joke I want from now on because it can't get any worse than that. So thank you, Luke. Um, but today... We're really going to kind of nail in on something that is really worthwhile us thinking about, whether we're a lover of Jesus, a follower of him, we're wrestling with it, or we're actually quite far away from it. It's worth us considering, and it's not even just worth us considering with our mind, it's worth us, worth us thinking about, and also thinking about our reaction to it, how we feel about it as well, and see if we can line them up together with what God wants. Uh, you can follow on in the outline. I have a Bible there in front of you. I don't have any slides today. Um, the outline there is, is quite involved. I've just changed uh, the, the first intro instead of, is it really that bad, to uh, who's good with directions. So let me pray and then we're going to get into it. Heavenly Father, we, we do uh, pray that you'll be with us today. We've got a little snippet already of what we're thinking about with, uh, with the kids. And as Jesus uh, reveals to us the way, Help us to sit under your word and by your spirit be changed by it. Amen. So who's good with directions? Put up your hand if you want to say, yeah, yeah Corolla is owning it. Yeah, Luke? No, I'm really bad. Jen, Jen's pretty good at it. We have lots of arguments about directions, often because I just am really bad. I get lost in my own backyard if I was left to my own devices. But I'm quite good at them now. Why do you think I'm good at them now? Yeah, I'm married to Jen. But when I'm by myself, thank you, Julie, that was the wise decision. Um, Google Maps. Google Maps versus Michael Maps, there is no contest, right? Google Maps is amazing. It all, it, it's just brilliant. 
But have you noticed, I don't know if you've ever from up here, and this happens when you often uh, uh, need to go somewhere, you put in Google Maps and you say, I need to get to here, say south of the city, and you put it in, and you get like five options of which way to go. And sometimes it takes the exact same amount of time. But in, in Adelaide, from the north, you can go around the city, through the city, around the other way, and it takes the same amount of time. Have you noticed that? There's lots of different routes. One destination with many routes. I think we can be tempted to think that Christianity, life into the kingdom of God, can be a little bit like this. We're on the God path, but there's different routes that all sorts of people can take, and it's okay. But the thing is, if we're going to hear from Jesus today, he has a very strong reminder for us. Very strong reminder for us about which route you need to take, which door you need to walk through. And he's doing it as he's literally travelling on one route, isn't he, in Luke's Gospel. He is heading one way to one destination, Jerusalem to a cross. And as he goes, today we see, once again, he doesn't want anyone to be confused. Even if it is a hard word, with all its greatness, it's crucial. And so that's what we're going to see today in this passage. And it starts off with maybe an important question. As Jesus was travelling um, through the towns, and I don't know if you, you noticed, we, we didn't get into it last week because the passage was so big, but in the beginning of chapter 13, Jesus, uh, the idea that's coming across is, you need to either turn back to me or perish, repent or perish. And there's a whole argument that he's made there. And so that's happened. There's two options. And then we get to the passage and then... Uh, people are thinking, well, who gets in? Do lots of people get in? Do, do, oh, oh, man, this is hard. It, maybe they're thinking, this is all a bit too much emotionally. Oh, what if I'm not in? What? And so they, someone asked the question in verse 23. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? It's the question of how many people will be with you for all eternity? Maybe they think it seems like so many, so few already are following you. Even though there's this groundswell, there's lots of people that aren't. And will more, it seems a big call, this repentance thing. You've just mentioned it and, and I'm not sure. Whatever they're thinking, it seems like an important question, doesn't it? A good question. It's a question of wanting to know, what are my chances of getting in? Are my chances like winning the lottery? Or are they like getting a Medicare card? Whereas you get a Medicare card if you're an Australian, you live here, you have those rights. Which is it? Is it somewhere in between? It seems like an important question, right? So it'd be really fantastic if Jesus answers it for us. Well, let's look at Jesus' answer. Does he answer it? Well, if you've ever read the Gospels, and see how Jesus answers questions. He so often answers questions by telling a story and then kind of hearing the question and then getting to the very important point that he wants to make. And in this little section, it's no different. Have a look with me in verse 24. He said to them, 
make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try and enter and will not be able to. See, there's two things I want us to pick up on and reflect on for a moment. Make every effort and the narrow door. Jesus is saying, make every effort. Now, the idea behind that is you leave nothing behind. You toil, you go, you make all uh, focus on doing it. Be clear, be determined, unwavering in how you go about it. You leave nothing in the sheds. You know where the door is, and so you go through it, and you're not distracted by other options. It's like if we were to say in this room that the door was actually the glass ones that we came in today. But as we're here in this room and we look, there are so many doors. There's those big glass ones that we can't open because we haven't got the key yet. There's the emergency door over there and there's that door and I'm getting distracted. I wonder what it's like to go through. Maybe I'll go through those when actually you've already been told the only way in and out is that door. Make every effort to enter through the only door. Don't be distracted. And that door is narrow. It's narrow because there's only one way to walk through it. As I've said, the framework of Jesus heading to Jerusalem, as he's setting out, is that you can only turn back to God one way. Repentance is turning back to God. The door is narrow. You don't get to choose how you walk through as if you can figure it out in your own way, in your own terms. I'll go through the door by my good deeds, by the type of person I am. I'll go through the door by, well, I come to church. I like hanging around with you people. You're pretty nice. Nearly all of you. No, all of you are very nice. Like, it's great being around church. You could say, I've come through the door because I just hang out at church. I do some Christian things and that's good enough. Or you could say, you know what? I don't think there is a door. Everyone can just mosey on through. But Jesus is not being uh, unclear here, is he? There's a door. I wonder if you're asking, what's the door? What's the door? Well, we're going to consider that a bit more. We've already heard with the kids if you were listening, which is very helpful. And we're going to get to that in a moment. But before we get to the actual door, we do get a sense of Jesus answering the question in a way by what he goes on to say about those who get in and, get, and don't get in. See, at the end of verse 24, what do we read? Because many, I tell you, will try and enter and will not be able to. Many can't get in. That dialogue in verse 25 is very stark. Take a moment to reflect on it with me. See, once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading. That really bad knock-knock joke about knocking on the door. Been knocking for ages, please let me in. Well, you've been knocking on the door for ages and ages, please let me in. Sir, open the door for us. But he doesn't say okay. Verse, verse uh, there, as we read on, but he will answer, I don't know you 
or where you come from. No matter how much you knock after that point of the door being closed, it is not opening again. When the door is closed, it is too late. There is no key you can bring to the door. There is no sledgehammer. There is no saw. There is nothing you can bring to the door to unlock it, to pick it, to smash it open once it is shut. Bang on it as much as you like. Because the answer from the other side of the door is, oh, I'm so sorry, I want to let you in. Maybe I can. No, I don't know you or where you come from. They're hard words, aren't they? They should be. We should have clarity in what they mean and then they should pierce our hearts as a significant warning. See, there is no amount of pleading that can get you past this door when it's shut. You can't work on a prevention to something once what you're trying to prevent has happened. One of the greatest adventures for Australians in our hot sun climate is sunscreen. Many, many years ago when we weren't aware of it and we wouldn't even cover up, we wouldn't even put on hats and sunscreen was like a novel thing that some people used. Skin cancer was much, much more prevalent. Sunscreen can be sometimes a prevention, but only before the fact of you get it. If you have that, you can't put the sunscreen on. Prevention is over. The consequences are serious. And just as the consequences of health can be astronomical, the consequences of missing the narrow door while it's open, I think you need to see are devastating. Verse 27, he says, I do not know where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you yourselves thrown out. See those words there? I don't know where you come from. You are evildoers. So you're rejected, but if you don't choose to turn back to God and walk through the door at the right time, he's not seeing you ambivalently. The description is evildoers. Wow. Then there's a painful picture of the end. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And if it's not any clearer, it ends with being kicked out. You're thrown out. We can't get past these words, can we, without really reflecting on them and really taking the weight of them. Jesus is making it clear to miss the door is disastrous. It's not like how I like to catch trains or public transport. 
I just assume there's another one coming, so I don't even bother looking at the timetable. I'll just get there, the train comes, oh, I missed the one I was going to catch, but there'll be another one in a few minutes. And apparently in Japan, that's even better because they are so amazingly brilliant on time. It's every like two or three minutes where the schedule says the train comes in. That's when it comes in. Every, that's why, isn't it, Jeff? I think, actually, I think it was you that told me this. And it was every few minutes and there it is. So don't worry, it'll come. No, you cannot miss the door. So how does this make you feel? It's clear what's being said. Do you think it's irrelevant to you because you're okay? You actually follow Jesus, committed to repentance, so you don't need to feel the weight or the burden of it? You're thankful, but you're not worried about how this relates to anyone else. Or maybe you're coming from the other perspective, because how do most people around us feel if things like this are said? Today, it seems to me often the response is anger. How dare you say I'm going to miss out? How dare you say the way I've chosen to live my life or to treat God or not treat God means that you can say that? It seems that we can and it's reasonable on one level to have anger towards something that you're being told is so serious But it's missing the point of the fact that there is actually a door, that it is open right now and Jesus wants you to understand with clarity so you can walk through it. How do you react to these strong words? This is even more interesting for the initial hearers because what's really fascinating is it's surprising who does actually get in. Because they they saw that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and then they're told that you, you yourselves are thrown out. Well, that's harsh. And then we find out in verse 29, which uh, if we're not clued up onto what's happening here, how significantly mind-blowing this is. In verse 29... People will come from east and west and north and south, everywhere, okay? People come from east, west, north, north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. The kingdom of God does not come if you have, assuming you have a privileged position. You see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and they may be talking to those that think we're okay because we're, we're, we're the Jews but they're rejecting Jesus and he's saying you're not. But all those people around the world who you think you're better than from every corner can come through this door. From the north, the south, the east, the west and they're there at the banquet. And if you think it's those that have everything that get this, well, Luke's Gospel's always been about an upside-down kingdom where those who are last are first, those who seem to have nothing have it all. And here we see those who are last will be first and the first who will be last. Those who have nothing will have 
it all. It's the upside down kingdom. This, imagine being there and hearing these words. Imagine if you were the person who asked the question, so hang on a minute, you've gone pretty hard Jesus, but so how many people are getting in again? See, it's not so much about how many, but rather there is one urgent way. Wanting to get in is not enough. Thinking you can get in with whatever truth you have, even if it's different to my truth, is not enough. And it is not and cannot be choose your own adventure. It can't be salvation comes in all different manner of ways. It can't be kind of Jesus one time, crystals another. It can't be other versions of God and Jesus dying for us. When Jesus, if he is real, if he did come as God in the flesh and die for us, the other ways are not options. Do you feel the sense of urgency? Do you see clearly the urgency that Jesus is pointing out? So what is the narrow door? We heard with the kids that it was Jesus. And that was helpful, but I want us to nail down on that a bit more. Because you see... Why is this door narrow is an important question. I I can't count the amount of times people have said to me, but that's your view and your way. Why does it have to be that way for everyone? Why is the door narrow? It's the nature of how the door, Jesus, works. And it's not about you. Let me give you one example of many in the, in the New Testament of what I mean by this. Go to Revelation. Revelation chapter 4, chapter 5. A couple of years ago, we did Revelation 1 to 5, didn't we? And it was a really great time of thinking through the picture of the end and everyone worshipping uh, God into all eternity. It was a great picture. And in chapter 4... We get, we get that picture of the throne room in heaven, if you've got it in front of you, and what happens in this throne room. We see, let me, let me just read from you from verse 9. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. Why? For you created all things. And by your will, they were created and had their being. What's happening in the heavens is everyone worshipping God because he made everything. But that's not the end of the picture. There is a new song. There is a new song 
that must be seen. What happens in chapter 5? Well, in chapter 5, we see the pain of thinking, who can open the seal of giving life? And there's that famous line in verse 5, and one of the elders said to me, do not weep, see the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the king. That's shorthand for, if you don't know exactly all that, what that means, it's saying the lion, the king of God from his royal throne, David, has triumphed. He is the king. He is able to open the scroll and the seven seals. But then when he goes to look at this amazing lion, what does he see? I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne. That this triumphant king looks like a lamb who has died. And so, because of that, the worship is now a new song. Look at verse 9. They sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. You see, the picture of the song that is new, that will go on to all eternity, is that the only way people can be purchased for God is that God himself, the Father, sends his Son. God become flesh to die in your place. Why is the door narrow? Because... He was slain. His blood instead of yours. If we could get through the door by being good, with all we know the reality that that's not possible, but if we could, and the Father sends His Son to die on the cross just as another option, that does not make any sense, does it? Jesus is saying there is one door because I'm heading to Jerusalem. I'm going to go up on that cross and you're going to see me die. And He conquers the grave. They know that is the only way. That repentance is turning back to God and trusting in that and living in light of that in every aspect of your life. If the door, Jesus, involves God's only son having to die for you, how could there be another way? The door has to be narrow. And there is no other way if God is willing to go to those lengths. Take it from Jesus' perspective. Imagine he knew that his father is sending him to the cross and he has to willingly go, face the wrath of all of humanity's sin, die in our place 
and yet he knows that God's going to, his father's going to come up with uh, four other options for humanity to get there in the end. The other, the other routes on the Google Maps. Imagine. He knows, not my will but yours, he says, because he knows that the Father is sending him to do the work he's willing to do for you and I. And while we may want to say these are harsh words to hear, weeping and gnashing of teeth, the one that says that is saying to you today, I'm going to the cross to die for you. So that that does not have to be an option. You do not have to be kicked out. I'm saying, I am going to die for you. That picture in Revelation. Every tribe and language and people and every nation are purchased. And we saw in Luke, east, west, north and south are at the feast in the kingdom. And these people, you're not just there through the, the skin of your teeth. Verse 10, you have, been made, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign. You go through the door and you reign. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and elders and they continued to worship. It is not okay to be Christianized, but to focus on creation and not Jesus. It's not okay to say Jesus was just an example, but not realize that I must trust in his death and resurrection for me. It's not okay to do religious things, but never have turned back to the cross. They are like all the other doors that get you to nowhere. It's funny how sometimes the most serious passages in the Bible become the ones that I love the most. I don't know whether you've ever had that. Not because I love horrible and hard things. It's because every time we see them, the reality of the extent that God goes to for us just becomes even clearer. That's what we miss out on. And Jesus is giving us every opportunity to hear there is a narrow door. So how are we to be shaped by Jesus in this passage today? I've got three reflections for us. The first one is simple and it's hopefully already come out for you. Our church here, Trinity Church Golden Grove, We'll always, despite the 21 doors around us, we'll always, forever, only have one door. And we want to make sure and be on guard that we don't fall into silly mistakes in which we think we can earn favour with God or any other way. It is the blood of Jesus. And if we only have one door, we're not going to say, oh, sorry, it's narrow, so not many people can come on in. No, 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 there's one door and it's narrow because you can only come in through Jesus, but we do not settle. Look at us right now. Look at this building, how big it is. 
I would much prefer us to need to figure out where to put all the seats we need to buy because there are more and more people who want to walk through the narrow door. And if you're here loving Jesus, as I know many, many of you are, that is what you need to have stirring your hearts and emotions. That you actually repent from the idea, I just like Grove because they're people I like and we love Jesus and I just want it to stay the way it is. No, no. There's a narrow door where we don't settle because we want many, many more to consider coming through it, trusting in Jesus, turning back to him. We only have one door. And so secondly, a compelled church... um, I didn't bring it up at all last week, I don't think, so I thought I'd better do it in my second talk. If, you, if you're not aware, one of the things we started Grove about, I've always talked about, is the love of Christ compels us, as in 2 Corinthians 5. That is, Jesus and what he has done, his passion, his love, his self-sacrifice, throws us forward. It compels us into the decisions we make. If we are that type of church, a compelled church we truly do understand what is at stake. Is it really that bad without Jesus, without the door? Yes. If we don't stand up for the only way, there's a part of us which is saying, it's not that bad, really. We are motivated to speak about it. We can't help but not. The mission of Grove is never to settle because without Jesus the world is lost we've gone through three buildings we've got our challenges I know I missed Siberia this year when I was away and you guys had to go through the coldness of this building and all those challenges that we have but God has always provided for us in our short time hasn't he but maybe We've got a lot more to do in reaching out to our community. Maybe we need even more radical thinking. Maybe we need to be more focused on what's at stake. Being around the throne because of Jesus the Lamb or the door being closed. And if that's the case, everyone shapes their life around what's at stake for yourself. Maybe today, for you, it's not about thinking about others, it's about you hearing the warning. Jesus does die for you. Don't mess around with it by thinking, oh, I kind of believe it, I kind of don't believe it, I'm just going to Come to church and that'll be okay. When a passage today is telling us, if you hedge your bets, even if you come to Grove, if you hedge your bets, you could well hear, get away from me, you evildoers. 
Don't let that be the disaster for you. When Jesus is saying, I have given you the door. Turn back to him. You can do that today and know with confidence where you stand before him because it's not based on you. And if everyone shapes their life around what's at stake, then we do it not just for ourselves because that would be a me church and we're about everyone else. We do it for others. I want you to consider this week something that's not pleasant. The people you love, the people you work with, your friends, your family, the people you encounter all around Golden Grove and wherever you are and consider what does Jesus say the reality is without them walking through the narrow door? This should radically shape how we treat others. God does the work, but our hearts and minds and what we care about is shaped by the Lamb who was slain. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love that you have sent your son for us because without him we have nothing else. As we stand in a moment and sing, O come to the altar, we know the altar of Jesus' blood for us is the only way. Help us as individuals and as your people together trust in what he has done for us always. Amen.